it's good to see you all. There's so many familiar faces around the place. So, you know, that's good in itself. It's great that you've stuck with the music and, you know, we're here to hopefully enjoy another great weekend of what Fiekel usually has done in the past, provided great music, song and dance. Um, we'd like to thank in particular uh, the sponsors who have really helped us to keep going, really. Um, the Clare County Council, the Arts Council, and people like that, Valtra Ireland. And I see another man down here, he's been very good to us on an individual basis. He's got nice money in from Shannon. Leon Agno, thank you very much, Leon, much appreciated. Um, all these things help. We've also got individual contributions from people, and you know that that keeps us going. It keeps us motivated. I'd like to thank the committee in particular because our little committee has got a little bit smaller, but that's you know the way it goes, isn't it? But uh, quality rather than quantity, you're dead right. And we have some great people there. Eva is a giant. As Pat is still with us. Tina Nelson, Karen Breen, John Maloney, and Jerry Short, and Brian O'Connell when he can. So. You know, small committee, but working well together as a community. There is a, there's a hell of a lot of stuff coming on tonight. Some exciting, very much exciting stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to ask Tony O'Brien, the Lord Mayor of Clare, just to say a few words. We appreciate the support of Clare County Council in particular, and we'd like to welcome you up here, okay? Thanks, Gary. Uh, and uh, I know when you see somebody, a councillor or a TD, coming to the microphone, you say, oh, God help us, we'll be here for a while. But uh, I'll do my best. I, I, I know there's a lot more important stuff to be done here tonight uh, and to, to get on with proceedings. First of all, thanks to the committee for having me up here. And as Mayor of Clare, the council, the elected members in the council, we're absolutely delighted to be involved and to help in any way we can. Because uh, Gary mentioned the committee uh, the committee, even though it's local, is the Fecal Music Festival and, and what have you. The benefits for the community go far and wide. It goes to hold the, the benefit to the economy and to the, the places of East Clare alone and to the county Clare and the music and the, the message it sends back right, right around the world. I, I, I noticed as I was coming up today the, the number of, of, of uh, camper vans and cars that are outside with uh, long distance reg and foreign regs and all. So I think it's it's I think we should really really applaud the committee for the work, the effort that they've put in, and and really tremendous uh, marketing. Well done. Normally when we we'd start off we'd say we'd we'd have a, a list and we'd say uh, distinguished guests and stuff like that. Uh, so I will say, lords, ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and my political friends and foes. I noticed tonight, uh, I see, I'm joined by Deputy Michael McNamara down there and my colleague Pat Hayes. Now I'm looking around, if I haven't mentioned anybody else, it's not that I don't like you, it's I haven't seen you. So, so please forgive me, put the bow and arrow away for another while. So, but uh, again, as Gary has outlined, uh, you know, it's a tremendous weekend. The committee are to be commended for the, the, the events that they have put forward. Clare County Council are delighted to be involved. Absolutely, support for our local communities is what we're all about. And uh, without further ado, I'm just going to hand back to Gary and say the best of luck to everybody. Have a fantastic and tremendous weekend here in Fecal and in East Clare and in County Clare. And you're all very welcome to our visitors and to the locals. Thank you for putting on such a fabulous, fabulous event. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Tony. Um, lovely words, and it's great to have people like Tony in Clare County Council and Michael McNamara, whom I forgot to mention earlier, a great supporter of the Fecal Festival and uh, the communities of East Clare. Without further ado, as I said, there's a lot of exciting stuff tonight, some wonderful, wonderful launch to take place later on. But before that, I'd like to invite Mary. I know she's relaxed and everything now, so I'd like to ask, ask Mary to launch the festival for 2022. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only thing we're missing is the mic, Matt, for Mary. Testing. Okay, thanks, Matt. I was looking forward to seeing you, Matt, but all of a sudden you've disappeared. <laughs> okay, great. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. It's working, okay. Um, I would like personally to welcome you all here to FECAL for the 35th festival. And I know that there's a wonderful weekend in store for everybody. Everybody's going to hear great music, enjoy great songs, dancing sets, and all the rest. So can you put your hands together and help me to launch 35th Fecal Traditional Music Festival? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Mary. It's great to be back officially now. It was, we were looking forward to it for months, but we're here. So uh, at this stage, we're going to introduce our next person who is Paula Carroll. Paula is here someplace in the, in the body of the house, I hope, and we'd like to welcome her. She will actually launch or she will uh, do the work with Mary on the fabulous new book that's about to be launched later on. Uh, in, before we do, I'd like to just express on behalf of the committee our sympathies with people that have died during the year, um, singers, musicians, dancers, and we send them our sympathies once again. But uh, we're here t this weekend to hopefully you know, move forward and have a better time and enjoy the weekend. So, Paula, Claire FM expert, great presenter, great singer herself, we invite you up to take it from there. And I can retire now. I'm under fierce pressure now. Everybody got off the stage as quick as they could. I've only got 11 pages though, so you're grand. Um, I've been lis listening to the CD that goes with this book, Sunday at Lena's, for the last couple of days and reading the book for the last couple of weeks and getting very emotional about it, partly because this is the first festival that we're all here in person at in three years. And I was reminded that this festival and this book, or rather the spirit that went into this book, is why I live in this parish. We were living in Galway for about 10 years. Well, Brian was living in Galway for about 50 years. <laughs> and uh, I dragged him down here to this parish because I wanted to live in this atmosphere. I, my children were growing up. I knew they would be playing music. We were singers. There's any amount of music in Galway. It's a fantastic city. You can learn your music from books and CDs. You can sit in sessions anywhere around Ireland, but to bring your children up in a place like this, which knows itself, knows its music, understands festivals, makes festivals, celebrates itself and its culture, and has a bit of crack doing all of that. That's the atmosphere I wanted to live in again. 
and I wanted to bring my children up in. So we came down from Galway. 15 years ago, I dragged my poor unsuspecting husband down here. He had a great time for those 15 years. And that brings me to, to this book, Sundays at Lena's. I was never around for the time that Mary is talking about, those Sunday afternoons in Lena's, where she learned music from the likes of Bill Malley, John Nocton, Paddy Grogan, Joe Ban, Martin Rochford and Mikey Donoghue in Lena's, but also in the surrounding parishes and townlands. Those musicians, I looked at their birth dates. They were born between 1888 and 1916. So it's gone back a while. And the importance of this book, because we all know these stories or fragments of these stories, but the importance of this book is that one musician, one educator in music has decided to curate and bring together her story of music, because that is the story that she's been passing on for I don't know how many decades now. Are you back here? 25 years. But to gather things into a book is a really powerful move because it continues the legacy of what happens when this festival is made, which is we tell ourselves our own stories and we decide our own importance, just like Patrick Kavanagh's gods. And um, also, Mary is passing that tradition on. And there's a great generosity in passing on a tradition. And not every musician wants to do it or feels capable of doing it. But Mary says when she's talking about, I think it was John Nocton, she wanted to honor his legacy by sharing it with the next generation. And that is something that you have to decide deliberately to do. And she has brought Mikey Donoghue from 1888. If he was here today, he'd be what age? 130 something years of age. And she's bringing him forward to all the young musicians growing up learning music now. But also, really importantly, she's handing that music forward, but she's also handing it back to those of us who think we know it, you know, to the likes of Pat Ban, whose distant cousin Joe Ban played this music, to Cyril, didn't I see Cyril O'Donoghue here, whose grandfather is Mikey Donoghue, to the likes of Val Donlan on the cover of this book, <laughs> photographed in the front of Lena's, to Michael McMahon and to Toby O'Mara, who are also on the front cover of this book, all people from the townland of Mahrabon, where I live, and where these musicians, the likes of Joe Ban, Paddy Grogan, Paddy Kenny, I think as well, was from Mahrabon or just outside it. So it's really important that we, first and foremost, tell our own story to ourselves, and then we can tell it uh, to others and others want to come and be part of it. Um, this book is in a tradition, everybody talks about O'Neill's 1001 and we think now that when, when we learn tunes we can get them orally again, we can get them from the internet and we can do all of that. But O'Neill's book gave tunes back to musicians who were totally isolated from each other and didn't know anything about the music from other counties. And this book collected music from all over the country in America. And you had people who maybe couldn't read music, but one musician in the community like Hughie Doohan could read the music. And he learned the tunes out of the book and passed them on to other musicians in West Clare. This book puts together 
the music from this area as experienced by Mary and Andrew. But they not not only have they told us has Mary told the story of the musicians, but you have the notation of the tunes, you have the bowing of the tunes, you have the double stopping for the fiddlers. And I know uh, George Grasso, George is here, I think, and Stefan Puchowski did massive work on this and Mary will talk more about them. So it's an incredibly important thing because even though they're listening and playing the regular repertoire as well as their own repertoire, they're doing really different things. And lots of books just give you straight notation, but if you get this book, you can really almost see the music of East Clare. And it's really important that, that we have that. Um, I, there was another lovely thing that Mary said in the book. She said, when Bill Malley and Joe Ban, I think Packy is here as well. Yeah, Packy, you're getting that music back as well of your father's. When, when Bill Malley, Packy's father, and Joe Ban played in Lena's, Mary said a beautiful thing. The whole room was happy. They understood each other and everyone understood them. And that's such a powerful thing. So I always remember Brian saying about Chano's song, it didn't tell a story in a linear way. It just gave you little snapshots of a song that everybody knew the story of, we'll say in terms of Connemara Shannon's song. And something like that, I imagine, was happening in Linus as well. Everybody knew that culture and knew that music. But um, Bill and Joe, when they played it, everybody got it. Everybody understood. There was a kind of a common understanding of that music which was channeled then through through Bill and Joe. So I think this book is a really valuable thing in the sense that it helps us to value what's around us and sometimes when something is around us in a really living way the way our music is now you tend to take it for granted. I never thought the black sticks would close. I never thought Seamus Bowens would close. I never thought we'd have a pandemic. You know, we, we don't know what's next. And I, I've been collecting music and songs and stories for a lot of my life and listening to older folklore collectors saying things like, oh, if you'd only come here 30 years ago, that's when it was great. And I never, I always fought against that. And I always said, no, it's all around us now. But I'm beginning to realize now how easy it is to lose this and how important it is to pass it on and to pass it back and how important it is to come together in a formal way to celebrate a book and in a festival way to celebrate ourselves. And I thank Mary McNamara for giving us the opportunity to do this. I'm really sorry, I know I'm going on for a long time, but I'll talk fast. And uh, uh, Mary has actually asked me specifically to mention that the Arts Council has supported this through a DESH grant. I want to tell you that when you produce a book like this, no grant could ever, ever, ever pay you for the time that you put in. It's impossible to make these kinds of things pay. It's only love that produces them. And if you buy this book, you will feel that love and you can participate in it. So I want to officially launch Sundays at Lena's and congratulate everybody involved. Thank you, Paula, and a beautiful job done, just as I knew you would, and really enjoyed your lovely words. 
So um, we're celebrating these wonderful musicians that I've written about in the book and transcribed their music. And so I will tell you through music over the next hour or so, the story and the journey, say, going from the early 70s from when Andrew and I first met these musicians and listened to their music up to the present day. So we were influenced by Bill Malley, Joe Ban, Martin Rochford, John Nocton, all those musicians. And Sunday Morning in Linus was one of the days that we used to meet these musicians. And um, we listened and we learned and we listened and we listened. And listening was a very important part of what we learned. The music from these musicians seemed to seep into our bodies and souls. We took it away with us and we're still playing it. We love that music. I moved away to Dublin myself in 1978. I went on, I learned other styles of music. I was influenced by many, many different musicians. I strayed often, but I could not help being drawn back to the well, the well that I learned, where I learned my music. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to put this book together, um, just to have it there. Hopefully in 50 years, 60 years time, people will sit down and enjoy it and think about the music that was there. The tunes you're going to hear tonight, a little bit different, they have little different turns of phrases and that. I hope you enjoyed. And so we're going to start off with um, a set from the book. The first one is called The Green Groves of Erin. The second one is uh, Cooley's Reel. Very regular tunes and these come from the Mikey Donoghue repertoire. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you. Um, so the first musician I'm going to talk about here this evening is Joe Ban. And um, a beautiful, beautiful person. Unsophisticated, uncomplicated, but yet his music, when you go to listen to it deeply and try and transcribe it, it was quite intricate and a lot going on in there. I think Joe had a rhythm and a flow in his music that I've, I've scarcely heard in anybody else. He's been um, a wonderful, wonderful influence in our music growing up. And um, I think that, I think he has left a huge impact on us. Would you agree with that, Andrew? Caught me on the hop there. Uh, yes, Joe was uh, friendly, entertaining, uh, and inspiring, and a very funny man as well. Very, very, uh, in his latter years, he was hanging around a lot longer than uh, his contemporaries, I suppose. Joe was one of the last people left around, musicians, and if you got him out at all, he'd play he'd go out seven nights of the week and then he'd disappear for about six months and you'd think, you'd think he was dead like or something, you know? But he'd be back out again and he'd, he'd, he'd actually, he'd bring you out, uh, arrange, he'd, he'd arrange, transport himself and he'd make sure that he got as many musicians out with him as well. And uh, he continued to do that around, around Fiegel and different places around for a good while. Can't think of anything else. At short notice. <laughs> okay, um, we're going to play a track from Joe, but just before that, I, I'd like to say a special welcome to Tim Maloney, who's a second cousin of Joe's and a great musician. And actually, there's Tim on screen with Joe playing. I don't know, I know Tim is down there somewhere. I, can't, I saw you coming in, but I know where you are now. So we're going to, hi Tim. So Matt, we're going to play track one. Um, this is Joe Band playing Down the Broom and the Gatehouse Maid. And it's just a beautiful track of him on flute. <laughs>
Thank you. Okay, we're going to play uh, a set of jigs now from Joe's repertoire, and we call this Lanigan's Bowl jig set. <laughs> Okay, um, so we always, it was always Joe and Bill together. 
you never kind of met one without the other. And um, my father often would pick them up on a Sunday after Mass on our way over to Lena's. Um, I think it was up at Marabon Cross used to pick up Joe and then he'd go on and pick up Bill. And we'd all pile into the van and come up to Lena's. Um, so Bill Malley, I suppose, there was something very special about Bill Malley's fiddle playing. Um, he had a certain musical freedom that I've not known any musician since to have. Um, he had a real dance rhythm to his um, style of playing. He had a very real dancing, bowing hand. He had a pulse and a swing that I think the dancers really loved that. And that was a very important ingredient for, for the dancers um, when, it came to, when it came to the music. Um, Bill, again, he had beautiful, beautiful tunes. And um, he, it, was, it was a wonderful experience playing with Bill because when you were playing with Bill, you could get that energy from him. He had a way of transferring it right through to you, to the listener and to the dancer. And um, it was just an incredible experience, really, to be with him. Now, we're going to play track there, Matt, track three. This is Bill. He's playing Tatter Jack Walsh. And just listen to the swing and the rhythm I've been talking about here. <laughs> certainly feel every note there that Bill is playing. Now Bill's son Packy, Packy Malley's here. Packy's sitting down here on my right, on your left as you're looking from this wall. Packy, you're very welcome. It's lovely to have you here and Packy's a great man to talk. He said he doesn't want to talk tonight. You haven't changed your mind Packy, have you? You'll talk again. <laughs> He's a great man to talk and, and I know you'd have a lot of great things to say but um, it's lovely to have you here. And thank you for all your help during the during the project. And we're going to set we're going to play a set of tunes, um, hornpipes from from Bill's repertoire now. And we're going to play these for you, Packy. Okay. <laughs> 
Thanks very much. I certainly felt that Bill was nearly present when we were playing that. It was lovely. I just love the bounce in, in his playing and it has stayed with us. We're going to move on to John Knoxon now. Patrick, you can move the screen there. Um, so, John, I'll start by saying John was a great friend of mine. Um, I would have met John here in Fecal and at other local sessions around and um, I learned a lot of tunes from him. And I played similar system to what John played because when I started playing, I just started playing the one row of the concertina because I didn't know anything else. And that's what John played. So I think we got off on a good foot from day one. Um, when I went to live in Dublin, John had already moved to Dublin. John went to Dublin in 1968. I went up to Dublin. Am I right? John's family are here. Was it 68 he went to Dublin? Yeah, 68. And I went to Dublin in 1978. And the first day I arrived in Dublin, John found my phone number and he rang me and said, I'm here, I'll mind you. And he did. And we had a great, I was in Dublin for oh, nearly 18 years. We had a great, great time. John was very well liked and very well known in Dublin and loved, really loved by everybody. He was very popular in the cultist scene, played a huge amount of music, um, brought a lot of atmosphere into a room when he came. He didn't have a concertina with him usually. But he had a great friend, Jimmy Brody, the late Jimmy Brody, who did a lovely interview with me just before he died for this book. And I think Ita's here tonight. Are you Ita? Welcome. And Jimmy, Jimmy was also a great friend and another man who minded me when I went to Dublin. They loved to mind the clear people. So Jimmy was a great flute player and a wonderful singer. And himself and John were a pair. They went everywhere together and um, huge encouragement. John was also a great hurler in his day when he was here in Fecal. I'm sure the local people will know all about that. So while he was a very quiet, um, gentle musician, I believe he was a different man on the hurling field. <laughs> um, so I think we're going to play, uh, we're going to play something from John. Um, are you going to play a track there, Matt? Okay. Uh, these are hornpipes from John Nocton. Thank <laughs> you. 
Dobre. And I'd like to welcome um, some of John's family. Our Patsy's here and Geraldine is here. And there might be more of the family. And they're all up here. And are there some grandchildren up there as well? Yeah. Okay. Hello to all the Noxons. You're very, very welcome. And of course, they're regular visitors to Fetal. They've um, never, you, I think all of John's family were born in Kilcarn, just up the road here, and um, then moved to Dublin. So half Dub, half Clare. Um, so we're going to move on to Martin Rochford. Um, fiddle player, piper, very, very colourful character Martin was. And um, he had a great wit about him. He was a very, he was a very, um, he was a very brilliant musician. Martin could read and write music, and he was he was a huge influence on my music growing up. And he took a great interest in me as a musician, in that he um, kept after me to teach me tunes that he thought that I should learn and that were worth learning. And he um, put a great emphasis on me learning all the different ways that the tune could be played. And of course, he took the time to write out the tunes, and he used to. Um, send him into my house and of course when I'd meet Martin I always have to do a little round of the tune for him and make sure that it was right and it was very very important that I did get it right and of course Martin had a huge he had a very wide influence he traveled a fair bit and a lot of people traveled in to meet Martin as well and his his venue for playing mostly was in the Black Sticks down in Silver Grove in O'Callaghan's Mills and a lot of musicians from all over the country came to, to visit Martin there. Um, Piper and a fiddle player. We're going to play a track from his fiddle playing tonight. Um, it's This is on Coshlan Orr which was um, pr produced by, or written by Junior Crehan and it's a beautiful, beautiful hornpipe. Martin makes an absolutely gorgeous job of it. Tim, I think you're playing bar on here with him. At least you told me it was you anyway. <laughs> And um, it's, a, it's just fantastic playing and um, we're going to listen to that now. Thank you. 
Lovely. So that was a Coshlan on Ora from Martin. Is Brendan Rochford here? Martin's grandson? No? Okay, thought he might have been here tonight. Um, so Zorok and I are going to play um, two tunes from, from Martin. Now, the first one is The Old Bush, which is a very well-known tune, but Martin twists it all over the place, and we've taken the time to learn it, and we're going to follow that with The Swallow's Tail.
Okay, so we're moving along nicely. Um, Mikey Donahue. Where is he? No, uh, that's Martin drinking his pint. That was that was um, sketched by Tim Maloney. So here's Mikey, Mikey Donahue. As Paula said earlier, Mikey was born in 1888 in Glandry. And um, this man, I, I was very, very fond of Mikey's music. I learned a huge amount of tunes from Mikey. And I used to love calling to his house in, um, in Balnehinch. And it was a great treat to call in there because um, I would play a lot of tunes with Mikey and I learned a huge amount of tunes from Mikey as well. And again, because my father had the tape recorder and if he hadn't the tape recorder during those years, I don't think we'd be playing these tunes today because you just would forget them, particularly as time goes on. And as you know, the tunes mutate and um, people move move around and record or CDs have come to, into being now and people are traveling. So tunes have got so much more sophisticated, really. So um, these tunes from Mikey, um, Mikey's repertoire was very, very unusual. He had very, very interesting versions of tunes and he had so many surprising um, passages in the tunes. I don't know whether he created them himself, himself or where he picked them up. But um, his repertoire was beautiful. I loved, he had a lovely double foot tap, which was almost like somebody accompanying him all the way through the tune. Um, he was a wonderful double octave player, which meant he was playing two hands at the same time, a lot of the time. And he played at high speed, but his rhythm and his phrasing and the pulse in his music was just amazing. So we are going to play two jigs from Mikey. These jigs, which are in the book, but not in the recording. I've actually, we've recorded these jigs. We, haven't, we have failed to find the titles for these tunes. So if any of you tonight recognize anything in there that you might think would resemble something similar, we'd be happy to um, to know the names. Now we have Cyril O'Donoghue here, Mikey's grandson, who is going to join us for these. Now I'm delighted to have Cyril here tonight and we go back a long way. Ah, uh, she here. Avin. Hello, Avin. Avin came in to me three years ago for a music lesson in Tolo. Um, Avin Begley from Shannon, so it meant nothing to me. She's with me a few weeks and we're talking away and I'm talking about music and concertinas and I'm always going back to the older players and talking about the people I learned my music from and the old tunes. And Mikey Donahue came up in conversation and she said, oh, he's my great, great grandfather. Is that right? Would you believe that? I said, what? Who are you? She said, Cyril is my grandfather. And I said, where is he? Outside in the car. I said, come in. <laughs> and that was, that was so exciting to find this was Cyril's, or um, Mikey's great, great granddaughter sitting in front of me playing the concertina. You're very welcome, Avi. And she's a lovely singer as well. Okay. <laughs> Lovely, lovely. Send him by email. 
Thank you, sir. Matt, have you uh, a track from <laughs> Mikey down there? This is Mikey now playing the knotted chord. He's playing on a two-row German concertina. I think it's tuned in C and F. Beautiful, beautiful uh, rendition of the knotted chord. Great. Um, lovely, lovely stuff going on there. You can, you can imagine it's a two-row German concertina, not very good quality concertina, uh, cardboard bellows, and he's only playing one row. So and here what he's getting out of it is just amazing. Um, moving on to our last musician in the project here in the, in the book, um, Paddy Grogan. Um, Paddy Grogan came from Maribon, and um, his mother actually came from Roscommon. And his mother and father met while in America, obviously got married and came back and settled in Maharabon. I didn't know Paddy as well as I knew the other musicians, but what I did know of him was I loved his music when I did meet him and I always looked forward to hearing him. He had a very um, distinctive style, it was very strong, steady rhythm in his music and he had a lot of very beautiful variation in his melodies. Um, his house in Maribon was a great house for house dances and parties and I know that it's very well known in the area and there are lots of people out there with great memories from those house dances. Paddy purchased a Wheatstone concertina which would have been an unusual thing to do sometime around maybe the late 50s or 60s and this kind of gave his concertina playing a different sound again because it was obviously a better quality instrument with steel reeds and that. So um, we're going to play a track there, Matt, from, from Paddy Grogan. And this is our last musician in the project, and we have a couple more tunes to play for you then. Um, this is track 25, and this CD actually comes with the book. It's attached to the back of the book. And um, this 
time, Paddy is playing Dowd's Favourite, which is a three-part reel. <laughs> Again, you can hear that lovely work that he's doing there on that concertina. So, as I said at the very beginning, um, we started out, Andrew and I, in the very early 70s, playing music with these musicians. And I said, I'll bring you up to the present day. And when I say that, I mean, I continue to share this music with as many people as I can, particularly the younger generation, because it's the only way of getting it to survive. Apart from putting it into a publication, you have to teach it to the young people and hopefully that they will retain it and pass it on again. So just to, as a sample of the, this generation playing the music, I'm inviting a local girl, Idel Cusack from Fecal, to come up and play uh, a selection from the repertoire, the, from John Nocton's repertoire with me tonight. Hope you come here, Idel. Idel is 17 years old. Um, I started, Idel came to me when she was six, I think. Were you six when you came to me? Six? Yeah. About six. Uh, she was a very small little girl and she learned a lot of her music in the upstairs room there, just you can see above that window. I used to teach here on a Thursday evening and I was here for a long number of years. I just retired there a few years ago from it. So Idel came as a very young student and from the word go, I knew she had something very special. And after a while, I discovered she has a relation, she's related to Martin Rochford. So I said, sure, you didn't steal it. You didn't leak it off the ground. So there are a couple of reasons why. I could have a hundred concertina players here tonight, 
So I chose Idella, number one, because she's a fecal girl, and number two, she's connected to Martin Rochford, and number three, she's learned a lot of these tunes from me. She comes every week to my classes, and she sits down, we learn, she learns everything by ear, so it goes right into her heart, and she plays it from her soul. So we're going to play two tunes from the John Knoxon repertoire, The Duke of Leinster, and I can't think of the second one, is it? Um, anyway, the one after it. Okay. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Okay, Etienne, thank you very much. Did you enjoy that? Wasn't it just gorgeous? Okay, so um, we're nearly finished. We're going to play a set of Scottishes and then we're going to do a final set. And um, these Scottishes come from the playing of Joe Ban. Do you know anything about the Mandra? I do because I taught him to her. Um, I didn't have anything to do with the book, like, but. Um, yeah, uh, they're, in the book. they're in the book, yes. You didn't thank me. Did you mention my name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Joe did an interview uh, for Radio RTE One one night below in Lena's Bear, uh, a winter's night uh, in front of the fire. And Jackie Small was doing the interview and uh, sat down, I'd say, I'd say it was about three hours in it altogether. And uh, it was about nine or ten of us, maybe more, sitting around the bar, local people. And Joe basically just told a few stories to Jackie. Jackie was brilliant. Uh, he really dragged everything out of Joe, you know. And uh, this particular tune now, he played the first part of it uh, at the beginning of the, of the night. And he played the second part at the end of the night. So I, I was going through this tape for uh, about a couple of years before I eventually found the second part of the tune. So. And uh, Joe gave a wonderful interview that night. I, I'm sure Pat, Pat O'Connor, I got, you recorded it, I'd say, from the radio, did you? No, I, I got it from uh, uh, Pat Oh, did you? Yeah, Pat Ban. Uh, I'm sure it's out there in the archives of RT and very well worth listening to. Like, it's, it's, it needs about an hour he edited down to and wonderful stories, a lot of a lot of information and a lot of funny stories in it. But uh, this is what came out of it anyway, uh, eventually when I got to piece the whole thing together. Uh, he plays two tunes actually, two, uh, two Scottishes. Uh, we don't call Joe Bands, obviously. Thank you. 
Okay, so we're nearly at the end. Um, just a few final words to say. Um, thank you, Fecal Festival, for having me and allowing me to launch the book here. But where else could you launch it when you think about the whole story of the book is Fecal, really? Um, I've really enjoyed doing it. I'm delighted that it's out there. You've heard some of the tracks from the CD. The CD is with the book. It's for sale outside at the door there. We don't have many copies. We just got um, a small supply from the printers, but the rest of the book will be in about four weeks' time. Um, our graphic designer, Sinead Quinn, is here also tonight. She's down here. The girl who designed the, the book for us, and I'd like you to give her a, an applause there. Um, so it's uh, designed by Sinead and um, it was wonderful working with Sinead. We did a long few months putting it all together. It's very, very hard work, but it was really well worth it. And thank you, Sinead, for your contribution. It was really good. So we're going to finish up with a selection of reels from, from the East Clare repertoire. And George Grasso has come in. I just happened to see him tonight. Now, George is the man who did all the work on Bill Malley and Martin Rochford. And I can tell you, it took a lot of work to um, sort out what those boys were doing. Um, the Boeing, as Paul had referred to earlier in the launch, and double stops and um, all sorts of funny passages in the music. And the, when I first gave George the recordings, he was listening away and I met him in, in Coley's pub above in Galway a few days, a couple of weeks later, and I said, how are you getting nice? He says, this stuff is crazy, he says. But after a while, anyway, I think he got into it and realized that it just, there was so much in there. And, and Andrew said to me the other night, we were learning a tune. He says, were they listening to jazz or something? Or blues, blues. So this is all the little funny things that they had, the little different phrases they had and uh, variations in their tunes. So uh, thank you, George. George was a huge part of the project. And um, I didn't know he was coming along tonight, but delighted that he's here. And he's multi-instrumentalist and he's going to play bazooki with us tonight. So we're going to say farewell with these reels. Thank you very much for coming. I hope you enjoyed the presentation over the last hour or so and enjoyed the tunes and the recordings. Thank you, Patrick and Sorica and Andrew for joining me on stage tonight. And enjoy the weekend.